0: Let's Run Nation, it's time to get excited. Happy Saturday. We're less than four weeks away to the start of the Olympic Track and Field Trials in Eugene, Oregon. And remember, the countdown to the trials on Let'sRun.com is sponsored by ON. This week, we've got a special talk with the OAC's Joe Klecker. He's part of what may be America's number one running family. His mom, Janice, was the 1992 Olympic Marathon Trials champ. His dad, Barney, was the world record holder at 50 miles. And Joe is an Olympic hopeful at 5K and 10K with a 1306 5K PR and NCAA XC runner up finish. Enjoy. Joe Klecker of the On Athletics Club is our special guest. Joe is fresh off a great run at the Sound Running Track Meet, where he ran 27 44 to become one of nine Americans under the 27-28 Tokyo Olympic standard. In the 5K, he's also got the standard as well, having run thirteen oh six, which puts him eighth on the U.S. Olympic list. Joe's got a tremendous running pedigree. In high school... He was the Minnesota state record holder in the mile with a 404 mile. College, he went to the University of Colorado under famed coach Mark Wetmore, where he flourished, becoming the NCAA runner-up in the indoor 5,000 meters and in cross country. Joe's got fast and famous running parents. He may be the fastest member of the family, but he's probably the third most famous. His dad, Barney, was a 215 marathoner and the American and world record holder for 50 miles. Barty held that record until a couple years ago when the now very famous Jim Walmsley beat it. His mom, Janice, is the Olympian in the family, 2.30 marathoner. She was the winner of the 1992 Olympic marathon trials. Joe, pretty cool family. Great run this weekend. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. First, let's start with the run on, I guess it was Saturday, Friday night, Saturday night? Friday night. You dipped under the standard. You got it by, what, what, four and a half seconds. But that means it sort of comes down to the last lap. Anything can happen. How do you feel about the run? How relieved are you? Kind of kind of talk us through a little bit about that race.
1: Yeah, so going into it, the main goal was to hit the standard. And that's been a focus kind of this, you know, last training block was to run 27-28. But we knew that we needed to be ready to go at the trials. And so we kind of had to weigh training very hard leading into it, keeping the volume pretty high but also being rested enough to hit the standard. And like you said, four and a half seconds underneath. um, I think we played it pretty well with um, not having, I guess, the freshest legs going in. I didn't feel um, my best going into it. You know, I felt a lot better when I ran that 5K um, earlier in the year, 1306. But Dathan just said, you know, we need to be ready to go June 18th. And so I was happy with the run. I felt all right. You know, the legs weren't totally there the last um, 800 meters. I was able to close all right the last 200, but I just, at the end of the race, I finished and just knew I'm going to have to be a lot better at the Olympic trials to make the team. And I had four weeks to get the mind and body ready. But I think we played it really well going into this race. We had to run 27-28, but we also had to train really hard because you rest too much now and you're going to be a little flat come June 18th.
0: It's an interesting, you know, balancing act because pretty much you need to be under twenty-seven, twenty-eight. I think. I mean, there's maybe an outside chance somebody could get in on the men's side with with the ranking, but probably not. But now you can do the double. Turning to the trials, the ten k's first, and the five k second. So, are you all in for the double? I mean, is that definitely decided now?
1: Yeah, especially having the ten k first. Um, I have. That's kind of all I've looked at thus far. But having both standards. Um, You know, it just, it it both, now all I have to do is worry about racing. You know, there's no having to go into the trials and do what Dathan did when he made an Olympic team and having to also be top three and he had to hit a standard in that trials race. And so my whole focus is just being top three. And I really haven't thought about the 5k much just because it's second. My, my whole focus right now is just getting ready for June 18th and getting ready for that 10k. And
0: you'd never run a 10k until I think December at that other, the other sound running meet. But with, I was listening to another podcast and it was from a couple of years ago when you were in college. You seem to be kind of a big mileage guy. You, and your, your parents are so credentialed at long distance running, even though you're kind of a three, five, I and mean, you did great in cross country. If you kind of always thought, Hey, the long distances are where you'll excel or like, how did you think about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that everyone looks at my parents and think, thinks that I'm going to be, a long distance runner, and just the longer the race goes, the better I get. But I don't always know how true that is. I I generally like to think I have pretty good leg speed, and I um, my dad always told me just to focus as long as I can on those shorter races because I'll have plenty of time to mature through the distances up to ten thousand, and then onto the roads. And so um, I wasn't even like in college last year. I don't even know if I would have done a ten k if you know COVID, if the season didn't get canceled. But then just looking at this year, professionally, definitely, I think moving up to the 10k was a logical decision. But yeah, I I think that I have a lot of potential in the longer distances. But that being said, I really want to focus on the shorter distances as long as I can, you know, the 800, the mile even, I think I still have a lot of room to improve there. And my, my dad's always told me that he thinks that that'll just help me a lot in the longer races. And so, that's kind of uh that's a mistake he made in his career he thinks is not focusing on the shorter distances and so i think that um yeah i just want to make sure i don't get slow
0: We're, yeah you're definitely not slow we can talk talk about your dad and the ultra running and your mom too in a bit because you know i think kind of in the more traditional running background we think kind of ultra running's a bit crazy and you got to have a different mindset to get into it but your parents are both very fast but when I sort of was doing my research for this, talking to you, I'm like, he's very fast. You were a 404 miler in high school, right? Minnesota state record. You have very good leg speed. That was my sort of takeaway. I'm kind of interested in the family dynamic. Having great genes is sort of a blessing and a curse because then people seem, oh, he's just, he's just talented. But you were only third in the Minnesota state cross country you were second at NCAs, like, so you're clearly working hard. But like, I think in high school, you were a little more known for your speed than your endurance. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, I think that that's pretty fair. I definitely I think in high school, my strongest event was the mile. And then yeah, cross country, I never did better than third. And at the national meet, you know, I barely made it to the Nike national. And when I got there, I think I was in 40th or 50th place. And so I definitely wasn't great when the distance got much over a mile in high school. And and I ran, you know, pretty good volume then too. I still ran, you know, 70 miles a week or, or whatever. So let me talk
0: about that because you grew up in this amazing running family. How involved were your parents with your running? When did you sort of realize that running was something very
1: important to the family and something you could be good at? Running was kind of ingrained in our family all through when we were growing up. Not Not really myself running, but more so seeing my parents when I was just, you know, very young, they would go work out every morning for, you know, they'd be gone for two hours and, you know, they'd either be at the track doing a long run, doing a hill workout. And so every day from like eight to 10, they would just kind of be gone. And so to me though, that was normal. And as I grew older, I realized, you know, it's not like that most people's parents don't do that. And so that's kind of when that was my first exposure to running. Uh, it was seeing my parents go work out every day, but then my older siblings all ran as well when they went through high school. And so I just kind of followed in their footsteps and I really enjoyed running with my older brother. Um, and so even when I was in elementary school and he was on the high school team over the summer, I would often tag along with him and run just, just for the fun of it.
0: It sounds like it just was kind of like something that you guys did. And I read a Great piece. I'll link to in the show notes uh, on your family and Lope magazine. Like, it kind of talks about how your parents met and just the running history of the whole family. You guys would go on road trips and you know race around the rest stop at, uh, <laughs> along the way. When did you realize your your parents had been really good runners? And did did your mom kind of hold it over your dad? You know, she was she was the number one alpha in the family. She was the Olympian. Or did we, kind of, is there a rivalry between your parents?
1: Yeah. I mean, so my mom's really really humble and soft-spoken and so you'd probably never even know she was an Olympian and uh, my dad's definitely a big talker and loves to relish in his uh, his glory days and so you (laughs) um, that's kind of how they you know how they go about talking about their careers but um, I don't know if there's so much a rivalry Uh, my dad definitely looks back his career and says there's things he would have done differently and um, and maybe would have been able to make an Olympic team like my mom but my mom was eight nine years younger than my dad. And so he coached her actually. And so I think that maybe he looked at the mistakes he made when he was running earlier on and then helped her, um, get onto an Olympic team and, and focus on, uh, you know, what, what well, the stuff she needed to do to get to that level. You
0: know, your high school star, how involved were your parents in, in the decision for college? Like how'd you decide to go run for Mark Wetmore?
1: Yeah. So they were pretty naive, um, in terms of running in college because my mom didn't really run in college. She ran at the University of Minnesota, but was just kind of walked on the team and it was much is very informal. She wasn't like destined to run when she was in college. And then my dad ran at a D at NAI school at the time, UW Stout. And so they didn't, it wasn't like I was going to follow in their footsteps and, you know, go to the school they went to to kind of continue their legacy. Um, they just kind of let me make a lot of the choices and go visit where I wanted to visit. And then, you know, see how the money worked and uh, make the best decision. But when I visited Colorado initially, I knew it was going to be the place that was going to be the best runner. Um, and I knew I really wanted to go there, but it, it seemed a little impossible. I mean, I have five siblings that all went through college. And so it wasn't like I could just spend $55,000 a year to go be, be coached by Mark Wetmore and Heather Burroughs just because I wanted to. And so it took a lot of me really making it work and, and earning a scholarship. And so, but yeah, so when I visited Colorado, I didn't really consider anywhere else. It was, it was where I knew I wanted to go and they really sold me on the program and it it, it worked pretty well.
0: So you did convince Mark to give you more of a scholarship? Is that kind of what you're saying? Or you had to run faster or you just...
1: No, you had to run faster. I came in on a pretty small scholarship and it was a scholarship that, you know, if I wouldn't be able to afford, I would have to take out pretty substantial loans if I was to go for five years. But I just put my head down and Mark told me if I run faster and get better, he'll reward me accordingly. And so by my third year, second year, maybe I, I, I worked up to a full ride. And so they had really held up uh, their agreement in that sense. You know, they, they kind of had me in the system, but they, you know, as I ran better, they rewarded me for it. And so I, give them a lot of credit for keeping their word in doing that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely just running better, scoring points at conference, making NCAs, And they, you know, they rewarded me for that. You did start running fast pretty quick. I think you ran 1344. I don't know if that was your redshirt freshman year or your freshman year. That, that was my true freshman year. And it was actually my first 5k. That year, I was focusing on the 1500. And at conference, they just kind of put you in, you know, a number of events to try and score points. And uh, yeah, that was my first k. I I just kind of went for it and ran pretty well. A lot faster than maybe I thought I could have. I never thought about people
0: running faster to increase their scholarship and it's a lot of pressure, but it sounds like it really worked out for you because your first NCAA cross, you're 28th. You kind of regressed the next year.
1: 67. Yeah, no, I definitely got a little bit complacent. I mean, my training would have indicated I should have done better, but I think that I just went into it thinking, like, at worst I'm going to be 28th today and hopefully I can be, you know, 10th or something. But I went in and just felt terrible and just, yeah, that was a bad experience.
0: Yeah, but then 8th and 2nd, I mean, it's pretty good. At Colorado, I mean, you guys, you had the NCAA champions, like Goucher, Torres, Ritz, is is there pressure to sort of go in that legacy and get the NCAA title? I mean, second, <laughs> I would be very pleased
1: with, but like after that race, second is good. But at Colorado, no one really remembers anyone but the champions. I mean, there's people, you know. You get anything other than first, you're just you know. There's so many All Americans that have come through CU. You're just another one, which is great. You know, being an All American is very hard to do, but if you really want to leave a legacy, you got to win a title. And so that was definitely something I wanted to do. And I felt just short of it. Um, I'm happy. I was happy to get second. You know, that was, a, I thought I had a good race, but in terms of leaving a legacy at Colorado and cross country, you kind of have to be a champion.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's not fair for you though, because I mean, last year it's 2020, your senior year coming off, you know, your runner up finish and I guess cross country and the 5k the year before indoors. You're probably thinking, hey, I got a good shot to win titles indoors and outdoors. And then COVID happens. I mean, COVID happened to us all. And, you know, maybe people say, oh, we shouldn't complain. Like you couldn't run your senior year. But what was that like for you? Like, I mean, I'm sure it's your senior year. Forget about running as trying to be an NCAA champion. Anyone like it's a a great time in your life. It's fun. You know, your friends are graduating. It's kind of a pivotal year for a lot of people that was sort of ripped out from you. How, How did you deal with that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of graduating, you know, I was a fifth year, so a lot of the friends I made going through school, I was actually able to kind of finish my fourth year with them. And then my fifth year, I was just kind of like hanging around. It felt a little weird being in school because I was basically done with my degree. Um and I was basically just you know, I was just there to run. And so <laughs> when the season got canceled, it kinda of felt like, you know, what am I doing here? Um I came back this whole year just to run. And it was nice that we were able to do cross, but indoor outdoor track, you know, after getting second, it was like, I had so much, uh, emotion tied into going and winning a title after being second, you know, for the second time in cross country. Um, but yeah, in terms of, uh, school, I was just kind of hanging around, not doing much, but running. Yeah. It was really unfortunate. I mean, I was, that's the whole reason I was still in Boulder. The whole reason I was you know still in school was to go try and chase these titles and so when it got taken away it just kind of felt like you know what am i doing here what was your major i was a biochemistry major i assume
0: after you're in say runner-up and that sort of stuff with your parents all along you thought like hey i'm gonna try to make a run of this as a pro runner try to make the olympics like my mom what was that process like COVID happens did you already you know had you already been talking to agents Kind of tell us how you got hooked up with
1: the OAC and on. Yeah, with COVID, it got accelerated quite a bit. You know, I was just going to start meeting with agents after that indoor NCA championships and, you know, just kind of get the ball rolling on um, brands, contracts, all that stuff. And then once COVID hit and the seasons were canceled, it was kind of like, you know, there were, I was done with the NCA if I was able to get a contract. And so everything, it was like every day I was on the phone with agents. Every day I was, you know, trying to, get a deal. And, you know, businesses had no clue what they're going to do. And so it was really hard because a lot of businesses were just like, yeah, we can't really hire anyone right now We we have no idea how this whole situation is going to play out. And so it was really stressful because I didn't want to come back for a sixth year. But if I didn't have a contract, it was like, what am I going to do? You know, I kind of had to in that sense. But yeah, then on came along and they were like, full in on starting this team. And initially, I was did not really want to join a team. I kind of liked the situation I was in and thought if I could get Mark and Heather to keep coaching me, it would be a really good situation. I'd continue to improve like I did at CU. But with the the cards I was dealt, you know, with, with on, which was my best situation. Um, they said, yeah, we're forming this team. And it was really scary, you know, to step away from a program and a system that's worked so well for you. But you know, obviously with the athletes they brought in, the coach they brought in and what we have now, it totally, you know, worked out the best way possible.
0: Did you know Dathan at all from just kind of being a CU legend? Like how instrumental was it the
1: fact that he had gone through Mark's
0: program? Did that make it easier to sign on with on?
1: Yeah. So I actually didn't know Dathan at all. Um, I knew a lot of like, you know, I knew the Gouchers and uh, Torres and you know, so I knew some of the CU greats. They'd come around, but actually, Dayton was someone I never talked to in college, which was a little strange to me. But then, as soon as they mentioned that he was a candidate for the coaching position, it made it a bit easier for me, knowing that he knows exactly what I did at CU. He knows the training, he knows the system, and in his own career, he knew what took him to the next level after being at CU. And so, that offered me a lot of comfort, uh, just uh using that transition, you know? So having Dathan as the coach really made it, um, a lot easier to kind of step into this new team.
0: And so yeah, they signed Dathan first or they signed you? Like,
1: yes, it was pretty close. I mean, so they were talking to me and they, my kind of last stipulation to them was, look, I'm not going to join this team if I don't even know who the potential coaches are. And so they kind of told me who they were talking to in a pool of coaches. And, um, they wanted to get my opinion as, you know, as an athlete. And so I kind of called all them up, talked to them, and they're all really great coaches, you know, very accomplished. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, the, the brand really liked Dathan. And, you know, Steve DeCoker and Dathan had a bit of a relationship um, in, uh, in Dathan's pro running career um, with him be, working at Brooks. So it was a good fit for them. And, you know, it was a great fit for me, him being a CU alum, you know, him being fully invested in this, in this team, uh, you know, he lived in Michigan at the time. And so it was a bit, um, it was a bit, you know, having a coach in Michigan and training in Boulder seemed a bit weird, but he just, you know, put his house on the market, sold it and moved out like months ahead of when, you know, he's originally planned. He just was full in on this job. And so that was a lot of just good energy going into the team as well. Are you allowed to reveal? I have no
0: idea who the other coaching candidates were.
1: I haven't been told. I don't. I don't think I should say. If if you ask Steve Decoker, maybe he'll tell you.
0: Okay, yeah, because I'm, I'm curious. I guess we just know Dathan's the coach. You guys are running really well. It seems like a good group. But we, you know, you forget that Dathan wasn't the only option.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, all I say is they're all you know similar level to Dathan in terms of either their pro running careers or else their coaching. So they're really, you know, as they went all in on this on, didn't like try and just find someone to, to fill the position.
0: Oh, you guys are doing really well. D- and did Mark give you any sort of parting fin- final advice of like what you can accomplish as a pro? And I didn't ask Dave this, but you guys are all in Boulder. Do you ever see Mark now or is, is everything pretty much separate?
1: Mark and Heather were really, really good at helping me along with the process. You know, at CU they've, dealt with this quite a bit and they just made sure I asked all the right questions, you know, figured, um, you know, they just really reiterated to me how great of a system, you know, the college system is and you're stepping into this, you know, once you leave here, you don't have any of this. And so you need to make sure that your next, um, step that you're taking, it's not just money that you're getting, you're getting a great system. You know, you need, uh, it's not just a coach and an athlete and money. There's a lot more that goes into a team And so they were super pivotal in just um, me asking the right questions to Steve. And I think that the questions I asked in my process really guided, you know, what the um, how they made decisions building this team. And so, yeah, that was probably how they helped me the most in terms of how we parted. You know, it just kind of was like I signed my contract and, you know, Mark just congratulated me and that was that was kind of it. But, yeah, we see the CU team around Boulder quite a bit. I'm still in contact with assistant coach Billy Nelson quite a bit. We're, you know, we got really close in our time at CU when he was coaching. Um, I, I'll always email Mark and Heather like after an athlete has a really good race or something like that. But you know, they're they're fully invested in coaching CU, and so um, you know, there, it wasn't like this hoorah big party. You know, you signed a contract. It's, you know, they just congratulate you and keep going with their athletes. And I kind of respect that
0: they've got their job to do too. Right. And (laughs) they can support you, but it's, you're no longer their priority, which makes makes sense. But you guys are running pretty well, even last year, pretty much right off the bat. Was there a transition to being coached by Dathan? Was it easy for you guys kind of creating the team? It seems like from the outside, you guys have gelled pretty well, but kind of talk about the transition to creating the team.
1: Yeah. So once everyone came to Boulder, you know, we just kind of hit the ground running right away. I mean, uh, Jordy came in a little banged up, and so he, he was a little delayed. And I think you're just seeing him now really catching his stride. Um, Carlos has been a little up and down just with um, transitioning to Dathan, who's really different from his college coach, but I think someone that's going to benefit him in creating a, a long career. But, yeah, I mean, the, the transition to Dathan for me was, was pretty smooth, and Ollie, because I think that we had similar – backgrounds in college and going to dathan for me he, there's a lot of you know wetmore in his training um he you know he 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 likes to say you know his coach his his coaching is kind of a blend of all of the coaches that he had in his career you know he takes what he likes from all them and so it, it was pretty easy for me to transition into that cuz there is a lot of you know mark wetmore's training in there but the the biggest thing was just the intensity is is quite a bit higher um in the workouts and so that took me a little bit to get used to. Certainly in the summer after a long season, I didn't really take any breaks cuz I wanted to be ready whenever races popped up. And so by the end of the summer, I was pretty pretty tired and my legs were just pretty beat, but I wanted to keep going because c- come July and August, races kind of started getting back on the calendar and I really wanted to to see what I could do.
0: Last summer you said 5K PR, 13.28, probably wanted to run a little faster. I think your best was what, like 13.31? 30,
1: when I redshirted one year.
0: Oh. Uh, and 27.35? I mean, that one, you're pretty close to the standard. So was that was that race disappointing for you, or the 10K in December?
1: Um, that race, I mean, it was that I didn't hit the standard, but going into it, Dathan was just kind of like, you never run a 10K before. Um, we're probably going to run one again before the trials. And he just wanted me to go in and kind of learn the distance. He didn't want me to go out at some crazy pace, die and just have a bad experience. He wanted me to, to finish strong run and, and just see where I'm at, you know, cause y- you do all the training, but you don't really know if you've never run the distance, how you're going to be. And so going into that race, we kind of said 2740s would be a pretty solid opener and something that we could be happy with. And so running 2735 was, um, definitely encouraging but then you know you're only seven seconds off the standard so then you finish that and you're a little disappointed but um it was definitely just kind of seeing where we're at in that 10k yeah and that one like
0: now when i look you up in the like iwf results it's got like a thing saying like it technically doesn't count because of the shoes if you had hit the standard would that have counted Uh, no it actually wouldn't have counted so
1: in hindsight it doesn't really matter (laughs) did you know that did you guys know that at the time it's crazy yeah so we, we did, but we didn't know how close they were checking because I know other people in that race wore shoes similar to mine, uh, over the twenty-five millimeter stack height, and I don't think they have the same asterisks that I have. So someone must have been looking extra carefully at my shoes versus Interesting. the rest of the field. Did they measure
0: them like after the race, or just from photos?
1: No, no. So it's um, I think that you send the shoes in to get them approved by World Athletics, and so they kind of have all the shoes on record and so they can just say, Oh, he's wearing that shoe. And it's this one, you know, it's not approved for the track, you know, cause it's over the stack height. So I don't know how they do it. If it was some prototype though, that would be uh, a bit challenging.
0: Yeah. The whole shoe thing's crazy. And I don't know, we let's run of praised on cause they've said you guys can race in what you want to until, until they, you know, develop their own shoot as an athlete. How do you feel about that?
1: Uh, about what just racing in,
0: you can race in what you want, right? I mean, yeah. I think that's what the policy is for
1: you guys, right? Yeah, that's what we've been doing. Yeah, so we've been, you know, pretty heavy in the developing spikes, and we've had def, uh, multiple prototypes come to us, and we're just, you know, critiquing them. But, yeah, it's really nice that On's letting us wear what we need to make the Olympics, you know, giving us the best shot. You know, they we've had Zoom calls, and they just tell us that, you know, they don't want to stand in our way to make an Olympic team. Um and so they've told us, like, obviously we're in such a time crunch now with the trials in a month, they're not going to be able to put out a spike that's um, adequate within that time. But we've been working pretty, like, we're on calls all the time, and we've had prototypes sent to us that we're just critiquing and continuing to improve. And so I think that their big push is, you know, come Eugene, you know, next year, we want to have a really good spike.
0: I think I forgot to ask you about Colorado was the two years before you got there, they were NCAA team champions, which is kind of crazy because you had such good success. I mean, NAU's been so good recently. Do you think Mark and Heather can get Colorado back to the top? Like, what do you think was missing when when you were there from the team side?
1: Yeah, I mean, so yeah, right before I got there, they won two. My freshman year that I redshirted, they got second and were very close to winning. And so we're definitely riding some pretty good years there. And then my whole career... My first year that I ran, we, we finished weight. Um, my first two years, we finished pretty far back. And so my last two years, my biggest focus was, obviously, I want to do well for myself, but I wanted to get the car to team back high on the podium. And my last two years, we were fourth and then third as a team. And so that was some good momentum moving forward. But yeah, I definitely think Mark and Heather, they know how to get teams back. They've They've lost before. They've had bad years. But if you look over the last 25 years, the one team that's been there for 25 years is Colorado. I mean, and NAU on a very hot streak right now. They're doing very well. And there's no reason to think that they won't continue that. But there's been teams that come up and then they don't even make the NCAA championship five years later. And five years ago, they were the hottest team in NCA. And so I, I know Mark and Heather will get to see you back on, on the top of the podium, Um pretty soon. I mean, we got a good class of guys in there. We got some great leadership on the team right now. And so these young guys, I think that they, they have a lot to a lot of a long way to go, but I think that they can get there.
0: The tradition's amazing. And, and I'm getting old cause a good friend of mine's Chris, uh, Chris Lear who wrote running with the Buffaloes. But I remember him talking about, Oh, I, I knew this guy. He's a guru out in New Jersey. He's now in Colorado. They're going to be really good. And Everything he said was true. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And in this podcast I heard you talking about, you said you thought you'd read most of Running of the Buffaloes, but you never, like when you were younger, you never sat down and read it all the way through. But you would sort of like, once you were Etsy, you'd kind of look at the book and compare the training you were doing.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've ever read it straight through still, but.
0: <laughs> but the, the thing you also said in this podcast is, I think you said there was like 15 straight weeks you ran 20 mile runs, long runs. Oh, yeah. Is that standard of Colorado or is that just you've always loved the long distance?
1: That's pretty standard. I mean, Colorado, they definitely put a lot of emphasis on that long run. And I think that's what takes a lot of kids from high school who are underdeveloped and kind of gets them grown up pretty quick. Um, but yeah, 15 weeks, that sounds a little more crazy than what I do now at 20 miles. But that sounds right. I mean, when you're in July, August, September, you're, you're not really ever letting off the gas.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. In, in terms of training right now, uh, like what is your long run? What's your mileage? I mean, are, are you already backing off, getting ready
1: for the trials? We'll do 20 mile long runs, but usually every third one we'll do a little bit shorter, like 18 and we'll do it faster. Um, but yeah, the mileage is pretty similar, like 105, 110. I usually don't count it too much. Just kind of looking at the training every day and making sure I'm, I'm getting it in. Um, but in that sense, not too much has changed from Colorado, but the intensity is, is quite a bit more and, uh, than I was doing at Colorado.
0: And we've been kind of talking about mileage and the 10K that you ran because, I mean, that was a race this weekend. But it, it, you're pretty much kind of similarly situated. In the 5K, I think you're eighth fastest on the list right now. I mean, you, you got a good shot there. You run 1306, so you've run, come down 1330 to 1306 under as part of the OAC. Kind of when you look at the trials uh, – f- from a big perspective, do you like your chances in both races or are you just focused on January 18th? Cause that's when the 10 K is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do like my chances in both races. I mean, I think that I need to get a lot better until then, but if I can continue to improve, like I have since, you know, since Dathan started coaching me, I think I'll be ready to go. But yeah, in terms of liking my chances in one race more than another, I don't, I've only looked really at the 10 K, uh, you know, the first day, that's all i thought about and i don't even really i haven't actually looked i don't know how many people have the standard or what my times ranked my only goal was to hit the standard because if you're 2630 or 2727 27, it, it really doesn't matter you need to be top 3 at the trials you need to go there and perform and so that's why we didn't we, that's why we approached this spring the way we did was we need to hit 2728 we don't need to hit 27 Flat twenty six fifty eight. We don't need to go after that right now. We just need to train as hard as we can, so that we can feel good on June eighteenth with that time in our in our back pocket.
0: This race this weekend, Emmanuel Bohr, He's like less than a second ahead of you. Does that phase you at all?
1: That doesn't really matter, right? If you beat him June eighteenth, he had a great race and he ran very hard, but. The thing about the race I was telling Dathan afterwards, I asked him, I said, how far was Emmanuel Bohr in front of me? He goes, I don't know, like eight, nine seconds. They they kind of ran away. And there were so many people on the track. We lapped so many people down the home stretch. I couldn't even see who I was racing. And so I was like, oh, like I, I thought Emmanuel Bohr was like eight seconds ahead of me. And the next day I looked at the results and I was like, wait, he was 0.5 seconds ahead of me. But I was so sort of tunnel visioned and there was like 20 people on the home, maybe not 20, but there were many people on the homestretch at the time. I couldn't even tell who I was racing, but yeah, that 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 doesn't faze me too much that he was in front of me. Um, it just shows he's in great shape and he's going to be a competitor on June eighteenth. But again, we both have the time, and it's whoever is top three there.
0: Yeah, have you ever been to an Olympic trials? Or did your parents talk about the trials ever? Your, your mom? I mean, I love the track trials.
1: Yeah, we we, we our family drove out there. In 2012 and we watched them and that was the i was pretty young you know maybe ninth grade and so i didn't really understand didn't really know many of the runners but it was really fun to be there and, and, and the energy was amazing um so that's the first time i saw the track trials and then you know i've heard of m- when my mom won the olympic trial marathon in 92 and so that you know that and then kind of her leading up to that, her training leading up to that and what, you know, little things she did to get ready for it. And that's definitely, um, helped me, you know, look at this trials for myself.
0: Yeah. What, what sort of advice are your parents like actively, do they give you advice or do they kind of hands off?
1: What do they tell you about the trials?
0: What are they saying about your running right now?
1: Yeah, they, they didn't run on the track too much. So kind of what we did was really different in terms of training and everything. So they don't, totally understand the workouts I do, like uh, how good or bad they are. Um, but they, yeah, just the, I mean, in terms of racing and being ready for a big race, that that's the most advice, you know, they give me advice, just staying calm and just, just trusting what you're doing. And, you know, once you get to the race, it doesn't, fitness isn't always that important. It's it's about mentally being there and trusting what you've done and, and being top three. I, I don't know how you measure you know, on the starting line, who's the fittest person, but I don't always think it's the fittest person that wins the race. And so, you know, just hearing that from, you know, my parents and just emphasizing, you just need to be there and trust what you've done when you're, when you're on that starting line.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think your mom was the favorite for the 1992 Olympic trials. Right. And she left the champion. Mm -hmm. And I always say there's sort of two things. One is like, yeah, you're absolute fitness, but the other thing is, you know, how close, do you get to it on the day that counts? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing like, like Mark Wetmore, I mean, he's shown you time and time again, like Colorado, you guys know how to deliver it when it counts. And it looks like Dathan is getting you guys ready to fall in that tradition, but I mean, that's the beauty of it. We'll all find out. Right. I mean, as a journalist and track fan, I'm excited. Are, are you nervous? Excited? Or are you just kind of more into like, here's what I'm doing today. Here's
1: what I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I wouldn't say I'm nervous. I mean, I'm very excited to to race the trials. It's can be a little bit of a bummer without fans. But in terms of the day to day, I'm just looking at every single day what I need to do to get better. Um, and I know how I felt in my last 10k, and I wasn't really, I wasn't very rested for it. But I wasn't happy with how I felt, and I know I need to do some things different, just in terms of um, my preparation. And so that I have four weeks to change that. And so that was, you know, nice to have kind of that run through, uh, a month before.
0: You do, have they, have you heard anything about fans?
1: No, I haven't. I mean, I've heard rumors and little, you know, I, I know that it's not going to be normal. I know it's not going to be full attendance, but I'm hoping at least my family can be there, uh, to, to watch me run. But, uh, I guess no matter what it, what the situation is, the, um, Seems like the race is going to happen, so that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, no, they're, they're ha- they better have the race. The race is happening, and I guess you, got, you know, you guys are kind of used to running without a lot of fans in general for distance running. But even if there's a few thousand people, I think it'd be great. They told us the media today that like, let's run. You can have one person in attendance, and I'm like, whoa. That rode well, you know, we'd already told them we wanted to scale back and we were going to split it up, and <laughs> they're like one. Where the Olympics have said we can have two, but. <laughs> I'm hoping. Fine, put the fans before the media, but uh, I don't know. I, I, beggars can't be choosers, right? We're racing again. We're hopefully on the upside of, of this pandemic, at least in America. So mm-hmm. we can't complain too much, I guess. Yeah. And all right, well, I kind of alluded to this earlier. Your parents, your dad for sure. I mean, your mom was a 50k record holder. I'm not sure how many money longer ultras she did but your dad gets into the 50 mile stuff. Do you think that's crazy? How did you get into that? Do you even ever think like, Hey, I'll be doing ultras as well.
1: To me, it's sort of like a different type of running, but yeah, no, I mean, he did a lot of marathons and moved up to the ultra running. And to me, it's something that's pretty cool. It's like something that I would want to do just to, just because he did it. And I know that I would be capable of running that far and doing those races. Like he had the 50 mile world record and that's a record I would really like to try and get. Um, It just, it obviously that's something I wouldn't do until much later in my career when I'm slower on the track, but no, that kind of stuff intrigues me. I mean, you can say what you want about ultra running, but I mean, to go and run, I don't know, five thirty miles for 50 miles is pretty incredible, I think. And so it's something that I would love to, to do, uh, someday it's a different challenge
0: yeah for sure. i think it's crazy but i think it's cool and uh like jim walmsley sort of the, the we talked to him sort of after the 50 mile room maybe before and the more you learn about it i mean your dad's record was really good oh yeah I mean, and i'm sure your dad would point out your dad wasn't running in super shoes
1: right like yeah he doesn't i don't even think he knew what, i tried to explain to him what super shoes were when his record went down i was like look the, the shoes are totally different, you know, and he had pacers and not discrediting his record, but I'm just saying your record was incredible. I mean, to run what you did and link, you know, in Chicago, just show up and do it is crazy, you know, because people today can hardly get back to that. And you see how much times have progressed in every other distance across the board. And it took this long for the 50 mile to progress. And, you know, there's probably a little bit of not as many people going after that record, but it it still Crazy that not one person until Jim Walmsley got it, you know?
0: Yeah. And Jim, I mean, Jim's got pretty good track credentials. And I thought, oh, he'll blow this thing out of the water. And, and the more I learned about it, he got it. But then he went after the 100K thing. It's very hard. I mean, your dad, there's a reason that record lasted so long. And I think you're saying for the record, your dad would still have the record without super shoes. Come on, get it out there. Get it out there.
1: Uh, I, I don't know about that. I mean, it, I think that it would be fun to have them in their prime race. I think that it'd be fun if you had two ultra runners at that level and had, you know, I mean, because Walmsley's it, it, and my dad's, I'm sure it was just time trialing and you weren't really ra- You're just racing the clock, but it'd be cool to see, you know, many runners of Walmsley's level. I mean no one is his level cuz he has the record but people who are who are that capable and get them in a 50 mile race together would be pretty cool to see. And I think you could build a lot of uh attention around that. I mean you saw how much attention his 50 mile record got. That was I mean I was tuned in. I knew there was a great broadcast of it and it was it was really cool to watch. And so I think that ultra running does have a a fan base and people want to tune in but it's it's a little bit hard to follow, you know, with uh with, you know, lack of coverage and stuff.
0: Yeah, no, like, Hoga did a great job with that one because it was easy to follow. And I, like you said, it's kind of intriguing. Um, yeah, and with your parents' long distance, you know, have you thought about the marathon when you joined on? Were you thinking, hey, I want to make a marathon debut soon? Or you're like, no, hey, I'm a track runner. I'm going to try to make the Olympics. Like, what are your thoughts on the marathon?
1: I haven't thought about when. i thought about where. I mean, I'd love to, like, run... I really like the Chicago marathon and that'd be a fun one to do. I love Chicago and just, you know, that marathon of, I watch it every year and I, I just think it looks so fun to, to race through the, through the city there. But I haven't thought about when, you know, I mean, I have, I have a lot I want to do on the track and I think Dathan will be wise in telling me, you know, he ran his first marathon when he was 23 and he doesn't want me to do that. You know, that was one mistake he made in his career that he has guided me away from, even though I didn't want to do a marathon, but he, he'll be a good person to consult with about when it's time to do that. He saw it all in his career, kind of
0: the college phenom, did the marathon early and came back to the marathons, switched coaches a bunch, was hurt, got healthy, but he still had a very successful, tremendous career. So uh, sounds like you're you're in good hands with him. Real quick, like the working out, like Ollie's so fast. Are you guys a good workout combination? He's been running so well. Does that give you a lot of confidence, kind of?
1: I think one thing that Dathan's really good at is is overlapping workouts and getting us, you know, like Ollie's running 1,500, I'm running 10K, but 95% of our workouts were the exact same. And obviously Ollie's going to be doing a little bit more faster work to get ready for a 1,500, and I'm going to be maybe doing a little, you know, maybe a couple extra sets of a workout. But, yeah, it does give me a lot of confidence. I mean, I'm racing – 1,500 in uh, two weeks at the Stumptown race up in Portland. And just seeing him go run 333 doesn't mean I can do that, but it definitely lets me know that I can, you know, get after it and run something respectable for a, a 10K, 5K guy.
0: Yeah, so will that be it before the trials, the 1,500 in Portland? Yeah, I think so.
1: I mean, I, I, I've i definitely, you know, Dave, I, I've, I've just trusted Dathan with this. He's made teams, he's known what to do, and – I haven't tried to insert my wisdom. I don't have any when it comes to making the Olympic team. So I've just trusted what he's said and he wants me to run a 15 and then do some kind of workout after maybe pace a teammate in the 5k, maybe run the 5k, something like that um, is, is something that he wants me to do. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, we toyed with the idea of running uh, either Gateshead or uh, Florence uh, diamond leagues, but it was just. It doesn't make sense. He didn't think it made sense, and I trust him. So, and it's cool too. If I make the Olympics, it'll be my first time ever leaving the country. So, that will be kind of special.
0: Oh wow! I hope you got your get your passport. Get that. Get that in order.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't know if I have one. I might. Have, I have to look. I might have done that when I was like tenth grade for some reason. Oh, well, that would be a
0: cool story. Um. Thank you for joining us. Any parting words you want to say or should we just get ready for June eighteenth?
1: No, I guess uh just get ready for June 18th. I'm very excited for it. But yeah, it'd be it'll be fun. Hopefully there's fans there and people can bring a lot of energy to to that week.
0: Yeah. I definitely won't be there because I was already doing the back half of the trials. But hopefully your parents are there and some other people and let's run in the running community cheering you on because that stadium looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, it does thank you thank you thanks for listening and for more countdown to the trial's coverage including talks with the oac's alicia monson and head coach dathan Ritzenhain, check out the link in the show notes and if you want to try out my favorite electrolyte drink get electrolytes without the junk or sugar it's called DrinkLMNT.com. You you get a free sample pack for five dollars shipping I guarantee you'll like this stuff. I will personally refund your five bucks if you don't like it. Go to drinkelementycom slash let's run to try it out. Link in the show notes as well.